Hi, everyone. Welcome to my podcast, My Broken Hallelujah. I'm Missy Reed. On today's episode, I thought I would just kind of go into detail what it's like processing abuse in real time, because that's what I'm having to do. I've had some things come up probably the last month or so that the Lord has really been showing and highlighting is coming through an open door. In fact, I had a vision of one last door to my past that hasn't been closed completely. It's almost closed. And so in that, I knew that I needed to reach back out, of course, to my counselor and get some help kind of retrieving that memory. Please understand it's not... She doesn't put anything in there. We only go and and extract what's already there. And we do that with the help of EMDR and with the Lord. So that's kind of where we're at. I've remembered what I believe is some of it that the Lord wants me to remember. And now it's dealing with the emotions. So I know I've alluded to this in the past on some of my other podcasts. And I've told the story how the woman that my dad lived with when I was eight years old and when I was sent to live with him was a witch. She was also in the occult. But what I've never said out loud on my podcast was what happened to me other than a being sold into child pornography. And shockingly, she had nothing to do with that, that I can remember. But what she did have to do with and did orchestrate was me being used in a satanic ritual. This particular ritual was their summer solstice holiday. The satanic church has holidays just like the Christian church. They have high holy days, just like the Christian church. You know, it's just like the enemy to imitate. He He's not an originator of any idea, but they do have them. And this was for the summer solstice, which called for a sexual sacrifice of a child, whether male or female, and not a human death sacrifice. And then, of course, after the ritual, it called for an orgy. And that's what they had. I'll go into what exactly happened in the sacrifice in another podcast. This is really about what happened after. And what happened after. So during the ritual or before the ritual, they, of course, drug you. So that you don't fight back and, I guess, don't really remember. I don't think they even care if you remember, actually. I think it's just so you won't fight back. And what I was given, I'm pretty sure, is the equivalent to the date rape drug. I have no idea what they gave me. But after the ritual, in my drug-induced sleep... I was awoken by a scream, a screams of terror by a woman. And I remember I I opened my eyes and what I seen was this woman just terrified and there was blood on her and she was, 
you know, of course, fully naked. And she had been having sex with the grand marshal of this ritual, whatever. And he had hurt her really bad. And I could tell now as an adult looking back that that was not something that she signed up for. I really don't think that she knew the level of depravity this man had, his sadistic behavior. So when he hurt her and he hurt her, there was blood. And I remember she was screaming and and almost like she didn't know what to do or where to go because she was in so much pain. And these two men had gotten her and was escorting her out into the garage and in that house, there was a door from the garage, from the house to the garage that had a little window in it. And I remember I was watching the window to see, I don't know, maybe if she was going to come back in, what was going to happen. And then I just couldn't watch anymore. I, I didn't want to see, I didn't want to hear. I just really wanted to be invisible. So I turned my head to the wall and in the process of all of that and me moving and I guess opening my eyes, I caught the attention of the leader of the ritual. And he came over and I remember him bending down and telling me that if I ever told of what I seen, he would kill me. If I ever told he would find me and kill me that he hated me and how he wished that he could just go ahead and kill me right then and there. He made sure that I knew no one would ever believe me if I ever spoke out and told what was going to happen. And then I remember him standing up and laughing. But what strikes me the most out of all of this isn't the words he spoke to me. It was the visceral hate that I could feel from him before he even spoke a word. And it was demonic. It was almost like that those demons inside this man hated humans, hated me, a child, and I didn't know then, but I do know now that, you know, Satan hates all humans. We are the creation of God, and he can't stand anything that God created. That's why he worked so hard to take so many to hell. But also that I was anointed from the time I was five years old. He knew that Jesus had appeared to me when I was five. He knew that there was an anointing on my life. He didn't know what it was, but he knew it was there, right? They can see that. They know that. That's why they work so hard to try and take people out. And I believe that's why they worked so hard to try and take me out. So to have to process all of that and to have to remember 
when you really kind of thought you were done remembering that ritual. I even remember telling my counselor that I knew there was an orgy that happened after that was, it felt very animalistic, but it was kind of in this ball that I couldn't really remember the whole thing. I could see parts of it, but you couldn't make out anything really clear. Like you were looking at something from far, far away. And I said, I I really don't think I'm going to have to remember that. (laughs) Famous last words, always. And if I'm being honest, I was not happy when this started coming back to the surface of where God was kind of highlighting some stuff. I, I really, I really thought I was done. But because the Lord showed me that there was an open door or a door that's cracked, it's not fully opened, that it needed to be shut fully. And I was going to have to go back and process some of that. I willingly did that. You know, one of the things the Lord will always do is kind of sometimes he'll straight up tell you that there's things that he needs you to remember to heal you completely. And then there's things that he will kind of show you to agree. He'll never just pop one on you and say, well, here you go. Here's what happened to you. If for some reason that is starting to come to the surface and you're having memories, then know that Jesus is with you. You know, sometimes we can't really control when that happens, Our brain and bodies just can't, I think, hold it in any longer, especially if you've been holding it for 40 years. It it always comes out. But over the course of time, there's been many times that the Lord has said, you need to, I need you to face this. I need, we need to close this door or I'm trying to heal you completely. And I can't do that until we look at this here. And that was probably, I think I've always had flashbacks my whole life of little things, but I guarded that part of my mind very, very strongly. I never wanted to venture into that part of my mind because I always knew something bad had happened. With all that being said, after you remember comes the emotions, and those are the hardest for me. I used to say, I wish I could just have the memory and carry on with my life. But that's really not what happens because in my case, disassociation was so needed and prevalent as a child that I didn't feel any emotion when these things were happening to me. And you can't walk around like that. You have to release those. So when I get memories, the memories are sometimes hard, you know, while I'm remembering them, but it's always the emotion that comes after. Man, it's hard. It's like an elephant is setting on your chest and you can't breathe and you have to remind yourself to do your breathing exercises. Or sometimes you just, you find yourself taking deep breaths and it's, Not so much anxiety as it just is this heaviness, this sadness, this uncomfortable feeling that you want more than anything to go away, but it won't go away. And you're stuck in this kind of limbo of needing to cry to release, 
but you can't cry. In my case, I learned early on that no one was going to come and save me. So crying wasn't going to help. So I refused to cry. I would stuff it down. And now (laughs) it's hard to give myself permission to cry when I'm having to deal with memories of abuse. And then there are the times that I do cry and I tell myself to stop crying. Don't, don't cry. Crying's not going to make it better. And I don't even know where that comes from. So there's this internal dialogue and fight of, no, I need to do this. No, shut up. Stop doing that. And it, it just gets hard and it will come to a point I've learned over the years again that I'll have to ask the Lord to help me. I'll have to ask for a release to be able to cry and to be able to process just this great sadness for this little girl, this mourning that have that I have to go through because of what was spoken into her and over her. And it's hard. You know, it's hard to feel all the things. You know, there's a fear that comes with it. It's not a fear of, I think it's really more of a healthy fear that I had felt at the time in the table when he was telling me that he wanted to kill me. And trust me when I tell you that if he would have gotten the opportunity, he would have jumped all over it. He was that vile and that evil. And he got an opportunity later to get his hands on me to make sure that I never told. And if I'm being honest, I think that's kind of where I'm stuck, where I don't want to show a weakness from what this man was trying to to put on me. And it's hard because there is going to be a mind battle. It doesn't have to be a hard mind battle. It's just the hard part is saying, you know what? That eight-year-old little girl went through a lot And I give you permission to feel the sadness and to release it. And that memory has no control over you. That memory of him telling you he's going to kill you or later on telling you that you'll go insane if you ever speak about this or just the spiritual warfare that you have to fight through to get to this, to be able to speak about it. It will be worth it. And let me just take a minute right here to tell you, only because I know that I've had to battle this myself. If you feel like you have something coming against you telling you that you are better off dead, that is a lie. And I want to really drive this point home. Resist that. I understand when it comes on you, sometimes it is physically heavy and you can feel it on your body. You have every authority and every right to bind that and rebuke it and send it back to where it came from. And you can command it to never come back. You can cover your past and the blood of Jesus and forbid them from ever even touching it and looking at it because it's yours. And it, It's between you and God at this point, if you've prayed that and you've covered it. 
And while you may have to still work to shut some doors to some of the things that happen, that doesn't mean that they, the enemy has the right to come in and try to snatch your life from you. If there is a fear that you will go insane from remembering anything or feeling the emotions, rebuke that. Absolutely rebuke that. God did not bring you here to not take you all the way through. The emotions will not swallow you whole. I'm not telling you it won't be hard. It will be hard. But what I'm telling you is to learn your place and your authority because there is nothing that the enemy has over you or that he can do to you that God is not bigger than. Because this stuff happens to you, sometimes I know personally you can view God as a smaller God that the enemy got in and he was able to do what he was able to do. And he had all this control and God, it minimizes God's power over that. You know, we live in a broken world and evil happens every single day. And it was never designed that way. And it was never God's will for that to happen. But it did. What I need you to do is see yourself rising and being bigger than whatever the lie of the enemy is that they're telling you. There's been times where I've had to imagine myself standing in front of whatever lie or spirit that was being presented or was trying to come at me. And I've had to imagine myself even bigger and taller. Let me encourage you to put the full armor of God on every single day. You know, the Bible tells us to do that and learn to fight. Learn to surrender your emotions and your memories and your abuse to Jesus, but learn to fight the enemy. Learn to tell him you're not taking one moment of my abuse and using it against me. And remind him that you are the child of the Most High God. If you resist him, he will flee. I know this for a fact. I've had to do it for years Again, I'm not telling you it's going to be easy. There will be times that you will have to come nose to nose with the enemy. You will have to dig your feet in and know that everything you've done to stand, you've got the full armor of God and you are going to stand firm and not be moved. You have that promise that the Lord will come and he will defend you and he will rescue you. That is so important for me to come get across to you. I know me personally, I let the enemy beat me up way too much when it came to remembering. And I'm not talking about the emotional part of it. You have to walk through that, or at least I do because I just disassociated so easily and buried things so deeply. But I know that my healing is right around the corner. But I also know what can come from open doors. And, you know, I've prayed for the Lord to show me open doors and, and how to go in and shut those. And sometimes it takes going to counseling to process your abuse to be able to shut all the doors. I don't believe you found your way to this podcast by accident. I believe most of the people who find my podcast are at abuse survivors and are kind of stuck in a place of they don't know how to be free. And 
that is why I did this podcast today. So you could see what it's like to process a memory and all the emotions in real time. And to know that what you're feeling, you're not alone. The enemy will try to convince you that you're the only one that feels this way. You're the only one that feels these emotions. And it's just not true. I feel like I've probably had every fear attached to every emotion, uh, every memory, everything. And I've made it through. It is by the grace of God that I made it through. Don't get it twisted. I couldn't do this on my own or without the Lord. But I'm walking proof that it can be done and you're not alone. So that's kind of where I'm at. Actually wasn't even going to do a podcast on this until I was on the other side of it and really kind of work it into when I start telling the story of being used in a satanic ritual. But I just felt, no, I I wanted to share this with you. I wanted you to know what it was like and to know that somebody else is walking through it and maybe validate some of the things that you've been feeling and to also encourage you. You know, this is kind of encouraging me to reminding me to get in there and make sure I've got my armor on, which I put on, I pray over me and my family every day, but to really just set with the Lord and let him minister to me, let the Holy Spirit just come and just fill the room with the sweet glory of God and let that go and be able to walk free how so many of us desire to be free from our past. I'm free from a lot of it. That doesn't mean I'm free from ever talking about it. You don't ever have to talk about yours. I just talk about mine because I know that's where the Lord called me. And I don't carry shame from my past. There's none of that anymore. So, And I I hope that it helps. I hope that it helps somebody that's walking something out right now. And if you're not in counseling, can I just encourage you to do that? Can I encourage you to get into counseling, to put everything else to the side and deal with that abuse? And by putting everything to the side, I don't mean you don't work or do take care of your kids or do whatever you got to do. But when you get in that room, let it be about your healing. Let it be about processing your abuse. Let it be about starting over with the Lord and learning a different way. And if you've ever listened to any podcast where I've encouraged you to find a counselor, I always encourage you to find a Christian counselor. That's not to say that non-Christian counselors aren't good, but I want to know what the Word of God says about me and my healing. And if they're not a Christian counselor, they're probably not going to be able to tell you that. So I think this is where I'm going to end. I'm going to probably turn on some praise and worship and just kind of sit here and, and process some things because it's hard to share your current struggle. I don't even know if it's struggles, the right word, but you're processing in real time, I guess. So Anyway, I love you guys. I'm praying for you. Know that you are so, so loved. Know that Jesus is there. There is no shame or condemnation for those of us in Christ. 
Just take deep breaths and we'll get there together. Love you. Bye-bye.